Welcome to this podcast from Rolling Roads Baptist Church of Greensboro, North Carolina. You're invited to join with us as we are growing towards Christ. The following is a message from a recent Sunday morning worship service. This week's Bible study podcast is session three of discerning God's Word. We are in the middle of a series of lessons that are called How to Discern the Voice of God, and these are all composed by Richard Blackaby, and uh, Richard is the co-author of the popular study Experiencing God. Remember, his dad is Henry Blackaby, who worked with Claude King on that Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God Bible study from decades past. And anyway, this is the third installment of these extremely superior Sunday school lessons. And this third one is called, Does It Call You to Trust God? Is that voice you're listening to calling you to trust God? So the point, the main point, is discerning and obeying God's voice calls for faith in Him. So if you want to hear God's Word and understand whether God is speaking to you, is He calling you to have faith? And so our passage is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and verses 13 through 16. Blackaby begins, I served as president of the Canadian Southern Baptist Seminary for 13 years. Canada is used to be that country that used to be to the north of some of the United States, uh, but we considered it our northern neighbor back when Canada existed. In my second year, God orchestrated a series of events that led us to take a huge leap of faith and build a new academic building. This was an enormous project that more than doubled our facilities. It's a huge project. And he said it, it would cost far more money than we had ever raised or spent before. We had no money available for the project, so it would all be by faith. Hmm, the Lord did not give us all we needed at the beginning. Rather, he describes how as they took each step, the funds would come in. And it looked like at a time they would almost have to stop construction, and yet a check would arrive for just what they needed. So, his point is, that some wondered why God would not give us all the money we required at the beginning. But we learned a valuable lesson. And here's his point. Everything God does in our lives is designed to increase our faith in Him. We knew what God wanted. We trusted Him to work. Now, I love that point. Everything God does in our lives is designed to increase our faith in Him. That's the idea of ever-increasing faith that's the idea of the school of faith. And this is not about sending money to the faith preacher and sowing your seed. This is about what God is calling you to do that's consistent with his word and obeying God's voice. So, our first verses are Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from the things that are not visible. So that's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. So, 
We cannot see God with our physical eyes, but He is real and wants to have a close, personal fellowship with us. God is spirit, and He resides in a heavenly world that is beyond our comprehension. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, you know the verse. God's ways are entirely different and superior to our thoughts and ways. So all this makes our interaction with God entirely different from any of our other relationships. Because of these factors, we got to have faith if we're going to relate properly to God. So what is faith? Listen to this. I'm on page 124 for those of you who have the courtly. Faith is confidence and trust that something is true. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. Our faith gives us the assurance that what we believe will become a reality. So when we know the character and power of God, and it's like when you know someone, and when you believe what God has promised, when you believe what someone has said, then we can be assured that God will do what he has said, what he's promised. Now listen to this. I'm going to read this next paragraph verbatim, word for word, because this is really something. Mm. These lessons are full of things like this. Listen to this. In the Bible, faith is always God-centered. The writer of Hebrews does not encourage us to have faith in ourselves or in our own desires, but in God. We cannot always make our own dreams successful, regardless of how hard we work to that end. But faith in God is always rewarded. It is not the power of positive thinking, for we are limited in how much we can make our thoughts become a reality. God, however, can bring every one of his purposes to reality in our lives. When we place our faith in him, we can be absolutely confident that he will do what he has said. Close paragraph. My friends, I have seldom read a more clear Christian explanation of faith in God versus faith in other stuff. That is an extremely good paragraph right there. So, i got to keep going. I'm going to run out of time. Throughout history, it has been people's faith that pleased God, he says. Verse 2 points to our ancestors, and Blackaby talks about how different all of those ancestors of the faith were. Men and women, young and old, rich and poor, powerful and weak. But what did they have in common? What they had in common was their faith in God. Their faith in God. Their faith in God. Faith was not based on the a dollar amount spent or the size of the battle, but trusting in God Amid our circumstances. Yes. Very true. It is by faith we recognize and understand God's work around us. Paul says, you know, the heavens reveal God's handiwork, Romans one twenty, And yet you and I know that many people peer through telescopes and stare at the heavens and track the heavens and they fail to recognize God's activity. Similarly, that's why some people go to church and they encounter God. They experience God. But other people go to church and they don't encounter God at all. Do you believe this? 
what I'm about to say. This is what you heard Billy Graham say. This is what you've heard pastors say. It is our faith that opens our spiritual eyes to see the truth before us. It is our faith that enables us to understand that the universe was created by the word of God. It is by faith that we understand. You have to have faith. To understand God's words, you must have faith. With faith, you can hear God as you look at the stars, as you attend a worship service, or when you read your Bible. Faith opens your heart and understanding to what God is saying. And of course, all those things have to agree with God's word. So it's an ever-increasing faith. Have you had some experiences that increased your faith in God? Again, our main point is discerning and obeying God's voice calls for faith in Him. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So again, talking about our spiritual ancestors here, Cain is mentioned and Enoch is mentioned. Blackaby talks a lot about why Cain's sacrifice failed to please God. And we say, though, it is by faith. Abel's offering was acceptable to God by faith. It was also by his faith that God considered Abel to be righteous. As a result, even though Abel has long been dead, remember he was killed by his brother, his faith continues to encourage believers today. Enoch, again, God delighted in him and God took him to heaven in an unusual way bypassing death. So God responds to people's faith in different ways. In verse 6, is one of the Bible's most important statements about faith. You've heard this before, I hope. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. I can remember hearing a certain preacher say that years and years and years ago, back in the 80s. It's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. So if you make a bunch of large donations to your church and you devote your life to serve God as an international missionary, you regularly engage in personal evangelism, if you are not living by faith, you will not please God. It's all about faith. Consequently, when God speaks to you, he will always seek to bring you to a greater level of faith. And then Blackaby stops preaching and he goes to meddling. Listen to this. People tend to, now this is him writing. See if you agree with this. This is touchy. Get ready. I'm on page 127. People tend to nestle themselves into a comfortable life that they can handle on their own. But that displeases God. If your life has become extremely safe, predictable, and comfortable, don't be surprised if you hear God speaking to you about something that may rattle your world. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So he will do whatever is necessary to move your life into a place where it requires faith and dependence on him. What do you think? Ouch. Don't get in that comfortable life and stay there. Don't get in there where you can handle it all on your own and be comfortable. Hmm. But I thought that was the American dream. It's a great question. Great challenge. Hmm. Now listen to this clear story. This may be an example of what he's talking about as far as church ministry and lay ministry in the church and people taking charge of what God wants them to do through their church. What a clear story we have on page 128. I'm going to read this again verbatim because it's really good. Blackaby writes, I was once speaking at a church on obeying what God had told us to do. A woman approached me at the close of the service and told me that God had told her to start a women's ministry in her church. However, she had not been supported by her husband or other women in the church, so she had not proceeded. That evening, God reminded her of what he had told her to do. She asked me if people would support her efforts if she obeyed what God had told her. She wanted assurance that she would be successful if she obeyed what God said. I could make no promises how people would respond. She simply had to obey what God told her, what God had told her. She persisted in wanting me to give her assurance that success and people's approval would follow her actions. Now, how many of us have been there? Boy, I've been there. That's the... That's a big challenge, isn't it? Getting that assurance, that success, and people's approval would follow her actions. She wanted to obey God without faith. And listen to what Richard Blackaby writes next. That is called walking by sight. Oh, that hurts. That is called walking by sight. It would not be her success that pleased God, but her faith. It would not be her success that pleased God, but her faith. It wouldn't be her crowd, the number of people that approved. It would be her faith. And then he adds, which is demonstrated by her obedience. And, of course, you know my belief is that obedience flows from faith and that that's what Paul says when he writes the obedience of faith. In Romans, he means the obedience that flows from faith. So, my goodness. Again, our main point is discerning and obeying God's voice, calling for faith. So, Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16 all these died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have an opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. 
Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So on this section, Blackaby talks about how faith looks to the future. Times faith believes God for tomorrow. Other times it trusts God to do something years or even decades away. It's like George Mueller praying for people. One person came to the Lord in 18 months. Others took years. And one did not become a Christian until after Mueller's death. The heroes of the faith listed in Hebrews 11 believed God's promises, and yet they never saw it. Remember, God told Abraham he'd be the father of a great nation, but he was it was 25 years before Isaac was born. And during all those years, Abraham could have lost hope. And Blackaby writes on page 130 that we live in an imperfect world filled with suffering and pain and evil. And that's the truth. It can be extremely difficult and even dangerous to be a Christian in certain places in the world today. But he says that God has promised that he's preparing a far better place for us. Though we are not yet experiencing all that God has promised, and we wait confidently for it, knowing it is a certainty because God said it would still be so. So trusting God to do something tests our faith. The longer we must wait, the more faith is required. And then he tells the story about Henry and Richard Blackaby together when Richard was a little baby, how his dad, Henry, felt a strong assurance that he would serve the Lord in Christian ministry, that little tiny baby that came home from the hospital. And yet, it took years and years, and his dad never told him the story. I told my father God was calling me to full-time ministry. My father assured me that he had known this was God's will since the day he prayed over me. And I asked, well, why didn't you tell me? And he replied, I wanted you to hear it from God first. Now, that's a nice test of faith, isn't it? I wanted you to hear it from God first. Even as he watched me growing up and confronting my fears, he knew what God had promised. And he had waited patiently, trusting God for the outcome. So then Richard asks us, what is it that you are trusting God for? When have you had to rely on God in a season of uncertainty? Boy, many people feel like last few years have been a season of uncertainty and that it's time to continue to rely on God. Maybe we need to get back to basics in the church. And as Christians, maybe we need to decide once and for all, are we going to trust in God for the future and be obedient to his voice? Or are we going to keep on waiting on something else? I think it's time to trust in God. And remember, Discerning and obeying God's voice calls for faith in him. Is God's word, is what we think God's voice is saying, is it calling us to trust in and believe in him? And does it call for us to do so? And then I'll go back to the beginning of the lesson where it shows someone getting ready to leap into a pool or maybe jump off a bridge or something into the water. And the question they begin with is what I will end with. Does it call you to trust in God 
What leads a thrill seeker to do things others consider to be risky? So God hasn't called on us just to be comfortable. He calls on us to trust in him and be obedient to his word. Even though the promise might be far off, we confess our trust in him. Well, I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. Lord willing, I'll see you soon in person in church at the Rolling Roads Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. God bless. Thank you for listening. Rolling Roads Baptist Church is located at 2800 Van Story Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, near Four Seasons Town Center and Smith High School. You're invited to join with us this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. as we are Growing Towards Christ. Find us on Facebook and at rollingroads.org.